Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. Okay. Ooh, all right. Time to fire up a new story. So this is the third in that trilogy of short stories from the Wrapped In series of anthologies from Sekhmet Press. This one is called Stories I Tell to Girls, and I'm going to have my read in mind. That is good stuff. I have to say, I love cheap red wine. I'm not going to lie. Mm. just started raining here really badly need the rain and so that is some ambient shit that's what I have to say okay let's get it going I'm not trying to pry Auntie Anne Maria said to the crone of the book people lying badly and showing the disregard for it of young people everywhere but why don't you ever tell us stories about your life? She asked it with that infuriating innocence of youth, the way a child can go straight to the heart of the hidden. Lorraine, high priestess of the book people, froze at the half-open library door. Auntie Anne, as usual, said nothing. Lorraine had heard Auntie Anne speak many times, but for a specific reason. The older woman was trying to pass on what she had learned in her many years of crafting magic, preparing Lorraine for when she would become the coven's crone. That was what the book people were, a coven working magic through the written word. As the wheel of the year turned, they gathered together, trespassing at some library or another to reach into the vast expanse of condensed intention, to make meaning out of the cast dice of a billion words. They broke the law to do their work because magic often a sacrifice. The book people set their own respectability before the gods as an offering they were prepared to burn. This night, however, Halloween or Samhain or any number of other names, the book people were on their own turf, a little branch library near the tiny town of Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Technically, they were trespassing there too, but they had found a key left out as though just for them, and they took it as a special kind of blessing. Is something wrong with the door? Warren was the scribe recording their rituals in a great tome he carried. No, Lorraine said. Just thought I heard something. Maria asking Auntie Anne about her past. Tonight, this night, when the dead were close enough to touch with the lightest of effort. A chill ran up Lorraine's spine. Dressed in her usual array of spandex cotton blends, Lorraine looked the part of the mother of the group, ready to cheer on a soccer league or pilot a minivan straight into outer space. She felt ice in her heart, though. 
Maria, the energetic young maiden, had a way of being the first one to stumble onto something and last to understand its significance. I just feel like we could learn a lot from you, Maria said. She smiled, but it was coy. Auntie Anne's voice cracked when she spoke like a piano that hasn't been played in too long. I try not to dwell on what's dead and gone. It has a way of showing back up if it thinks it's been invited. Maria's eyes lit up with the flame of curiosity almost rewarded. Oh, but please, please tell us one story, just one. Maria's pleading eyes, pleading eyes turned to Lorraine for just a second. I bet you've told Lorraine all kinds of stories. Oh, girl. Auntie Anne let out a great big breath with a lot of years behind it. There are stories I tell to women, she said, and stories I tell to girls. She smiled, though, and you are still a girl. Lorraine cleared her throat. Enough was enough. Let's focus. Tonight we make ourselves available to those who need us. Let us fix that as our intention as we wander. Let yourself roam these tiny rows of words in search of the ones you need and that need you. Lorraine held out her hands. Maria and Auntie Anne each reached for one, then for another's. The three of them clasped fingers for a moment while Warren scribbled. The second passed, and just like that they were over the threshold into the world they knew as their own. The dark place where magic happens. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Warren had emerged from the philosophy section carrying a textbook. As was the way of the book people, he flipped it open to a random page, looked down, and read the first sentences I found. Kierkegaard. Auntie Anne let a library-bound novel with a plain green cover and a block-letter title fall open in her hands. The past is never where you think you left it, she read, then gave one crackling chuckle. Ship of Fools. Lorraine paused a moment, considering the book in Auntie Anne's hands as though it were a person she thought she ought to know from somewhere, but it was her turn to read. The past is never dead. It's not even past. She knit her brow as she spoke. Requiem for a nun. I certainly seem to be detecting a theme. Maria? Maria opened a thick book. What's past is prologue, she said. The Tempest. Goose flesh ran up and down Lorraine's arms. It happened sometimes that their readings were clearly a summoning, when something would speak to them through these words. It served to remind them this wasn't some hobby. This was the real deal. I want second readings, Lorraine said. Whatever stands at the edge of our circle, knocking at the door of the words we've read, needs definition. Let us focus anew. Whatever is out there beyond the candlelight must show itself. Five minutes later, they returned. Lorraine nodded to Warren, and he read aloud. On the whole, we're a murderous race. According to the book of Genesis, it took as few as four people to make the planet too crowded to stand. Warren arched an eyebrow. Deadbeat. Auntie Anne's voice was flat. A parent gives life, but as a parent, gives no more. She looked up, and her eyes met Lorraine's. The Education of Henry Adams. Lorraine cleared her throat. It's wicked to throw away so many good gifts because you can't have the one you want, she said. Little women. They were getting closer. 
love, the past, a parent. Maria opened a book titled 10,000 Baby Names. It fell open to somewhere in the last half, and as Maria spoke a name, so did Lorraine and Auntie Anne, the three witches calling the same word like an invocation. Percival. A figure emerged, previously hidden amongst the library's shadows, rail thin with the narrow shoulders of youth and a shock of bright red hair atop a black trench coat two sizes too large. His skin was like bone china. Hello, my love. Slim white fangs were barely visible when he spoke. Lorraine took a long moment to look him up and down. On this, of all nights, she thought to herself, when the worlds of living and dead touch, we just had to summon one of the things walking the line between. Auntie Anne's lips flattened into a thin line, like a grim scar of pale white flesh. Who the hell is that? Maria's voice shook a little as she glanced back and forth at the others. What the hell is that? A vampire, Lorraine murmured. Be careful, Maria. He isn't here for the girl, Auntie Anne said. The boy, Lorraine couldn't help but think of him as that, with his taut skin and bright eyes and features forever frozen only most of the way to manhood, took a couple of steps toward Auntie Anne before smoothly dropping to one knee, his eyes downcast. I need your help, he paused. Please, Annie. Lorraine noted with genuine surprise that the monster's voice was shaking. Auntie Anne did not address the visitor when she spoke. Her eyes stayed on him, but her voice was pitched to Maria. Percy killed my father, she said. You wanted to know about my past? There it is. The thinnest knife's edge of bitterness crept into Auntie Anne's voice, a scalpel in an old wound. This creature is why I'm here. She paused and seemed to address him now. You're why I became a witch. To Maria again. See, my daddy used to drink too much. Percy saved me from him, but that salvation came with a price, joining Percy for all time. When I refused, Percy broke half the bones in Daddy's body, then turned him so he'd be trapped that way forever. Her voice stumbled for just a moment. Daddy ended it at the next sunrise. I had no family left. Just me and my books and a world to understand. She finally met Maria's wide eyes. And here I am. I meant to save you. Percival said. His voice threatened to crack. I was young. I thought, you thought? Auntie Anne's voice was sharp like an arrowhead stabbing deep. Don't lie to me, Percy. She made a noise a little like a laugh. Don't lie to your betters. I was a girl when you met me, but I've gotten old. So have you. This, Warren finally spoke from the corner. This is some seriously weird reverse Bella shit. Tell me what it is you want. Auntie Anne's voice was hard and cold and sharp, but also low. She never yelled. She was still the crone, and her voice strained under the weight of all this speaking. 
Percy remained quiet, his eyes low. He opened his mouth, drew part of a breath, held it, and considered what to say. I'm on a quest, he said. He addressed it to Auntie Anne's black and gray comfort slip-ons, the ones Lorraine always thought of as being old woman shoes. He looked up. I want to die with a clean conscience. Auntie Anne raised one eyebrow just the tiniest bit. Do tell. Well, that seems like an excellent place to pause. And we'll come back to this in the next episode. I loved tying these stories together. Um, I talked so long in the last episode that I didn't do any sort of like reflecting on his Shrine of Santa Muerte. But like to reflect on that, the book people are really some of my favorite people. Uh, I love writing about them. If there is ever more of the Withrow Chronicles, it's going to be about the book people because they are the ones that I think like has the most interesting potential next chapter of their story. And uh, I'm not saying that there are any plans for that. I'm saying that that is something that is continuing to kick around in the back of my head, no matter how much I tell it that I am under contract for other things for like the next three years. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, I really love writing the book people and I really love Auntie Anne as a character. I love the idea that Percival is this kind of frankly just dumbass teenager forever and he has never gotten over this early crush and now here it is the next century and she's very old and he will only ever know her as the young girl that he met way up in the mountains a very long time ago in the same way that when you think of an old friend that you met decades ago you probably still see them the way they were then. I do. When I think of people I knew in high school, often I see them as the high school people. Like in my head, when I picture them, I see them as teenagers. I think of them as adults now. I think of them as people with jobs and careers and lives and interests and hobbies and kids and pets and whatever. Um, but I picture the people that they were then. And I think that that's true for everybody with somebody that they've known for long enough and that they cared about enough um and when percival looks at auntie Anne, he sees that teenage girl and he knows her only as her and when auntie Anne looks at percival she sees the thing that had a big part in destroying a life that she liked a lot it was I mean, like, if you've listened to that story, you know that there are things about her life that were real shitty and didn't have anything to do with Percival. They had everything to do with her father. Uh, but Percival's appearance in it was sort of the uh, improvised explosive device in the roadway of her life, um, just as much as the death of her mother was. And I love writing about these people. It is so much fun to revisit them. Ah. <sighs> Okay, well, anyway, now I've talked too long in this episode. And so, oh, one more thing. Santa Marte is totally a thing that is worshipped, and I don't know whether to call her a saint or a goddess or what, but um, she is a thing that people really do worship, and there are some very complex mythologies around her, and I did not want to try to appropriate that culture more than was necessary to just like give it the 
most basic description in that story but it's really fascinating and if you would like to read up on some complex beliefs that have sprung up out of need then i i highly recommend reading about santa Marte. i'm going to stop saying her name now because i'm pagan and i think that that gives things power so thank you and i'll talk to you next time Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org.